Thank you for sharing. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 21. Thank you. Isaiah 21. So we've been talking, uh, uh, kind of focusing a little bit on in Isaiah and the prophecies as it relates to Jesus. And... Um, Last week uh, uh, we were in Isaiah, and this week we're in Isaiah as well. So the primary is going to be Isaiah, but we're going to be skipping around a lot. So I'm just letting you know, so don't get all excited. Because, uh, just because there's a lot of scriptures that we're going to be looking at today. I, I want to start with uh, uh, Luke chapter 1. I'm going to be at uh, verse 39. And, uh, well, you can follow along if you want, but... I <laughs> but and it's uh, at the time, Mary, so Mary had already received the news that she was going to uh, be the mother of the, of the Christ child, and uh, she already accepted that responsibility. And uh, after that happened, she went into the hill country of Judea and uh, spent time with Elizabeth. Because remember, the, the angel looked at her and says, now, your, your cousin uh, Elizabeth is pregnant even in her old age. And so uh, she got up and hurried to the town and the, uh, the hills in the country of Judea, verse 40, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you amongst women, blessed is the child you will bear. But I am... But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise through her. Now, I'm just going to stop there. You know, and it's talking about the fact that the baby leaped in the womb. So we're just going to sidetrack just a little bit. Boy, if there is a, uh, a scripture passage that points to the fact that uh, children are a, um, uh, a baby is a baby no matter what time of creation they are at. Here it is. I mean, the baby. And, and this is John the Baptist that, that leaped. So maybe he might have been six months of gestation, seven months of gestation. But he whooped. He whooped. He weeped. He leaped in, in, in the womb of, of his mother, Elizabeth. And you have the baby Jesus that's in Mary, and we don't know how long she was as well, but John sensed the presence of God and, and the power of the Almighty was very evident. So even an unborn baby focuses on the, the awareness of the presence of Jesus. Now, I want, I want to travel 30 years from that event, and, 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 and I want to go to Galilee in, in Luke chapter 4. And Jesus had just finished his 40 days in the desert where he was being tempted by Satan. And he traveled back to his hometown, 
And he went to a synagogue. And, and, and this is probably what the synagogue looked like. A building that had an open area where if you could see on the side where people would sit. And in the middle was a table. And behind that table was what was called the Moses seat right here. And that Moses seat, well, so much for that idea. And so that Moses seat, uh, thank you very much, that Moses seat uh, was reserved for two people. It was reserved for Moses, if he came back, that's where he was to see, sit, or the Messiah. That's where he was to sit. And so, no one was allowed to sit on that, except for those two individuals. Alright, so imagine Jesus is coming in, and the room is filled with men, as they are sitting, and they're, they're reading the Torah, they're, they're reading scripture, or they're going to have a read to them, and they are praying, and it comes time for Jesus to come and, and he reads. And they go and they give him the scroll. And it's a parchment scroll. You know what I'm kind of talking about. And that scroll was, um, was given to him was the prophet Isaiah. And he opens it up. And it's on Isaiah 61. And this is what happens. In verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The news about him started spreading throughout the countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, which was his custom. So what's, what's the Sabbath day? What day? It's Saturday. It's not Sunday. This is the Lord's day. It's Saturday. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now, some commentators say, they believe at that point that Jesus sat on the Moses seat, which you don't do. There's no evidence of that, but it does say he sat down. And everyone, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him, and he began saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him. And were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. And then Jesus started talking a little more. And during his conversation, he essentially was saying that the word of the Lord, or my ministry, is to the Gentiles. You'll see that a little bit later on as he's reading this. Up until that point, they were accepting him. It says they were pleased at his words and they were amazed at his words. But once he starts saying stuff like, this is to the Gentiles where this message is going to come, they became very angry and they took Jesus and they took him to a cliff and they were going to throw him off the cliff and the Bible says that he just walked away. Which is a very good statement for you to keep in mind. God knows the very number of days that you're going to be on this earth. 
And God is ultimately in control. And sometimes we just need to rest in Him. And so Jesus just walks out and starts His ministry. Now, He he uses Isaiah chapter 61 as His basis. And in that in that prophecy, it's kind of a dual prophecy. It's talking about the return of Israel from their exile. If you remember from last week, Israel was going to be taken into exile. Eventually they'd come back. But he also talks about what the purpose of the Messiah is. And there's kind of a third one in there, what our call the church is as well. So here he is. We, we look at what Isaiah is saying, and, and he pretty much shares a couple things. What the work of the Messiah is, what our response to the Messiah will be, what our work for the Messiah will be, and, and all that is found in Isaiah chapter 61. So that's what I want to look at today. And I also want to say, you know, our focus today is on joy, and why is that so joyful? Well, we're going to talk about that as well. So the first thing Isaiah 61 does, it shares the work of the Messiah. So let's look at verse 1 here. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. So Jesus, or the Messiah, is going to come, and he's going to give good news to poor people. Now, when we think of poor, we are normally thinking of of, of people with the, the amount of money that you have. That's normally what we're thinking of. It's given to the poor. But what we're talking about here are the spiritual poor. We're talking about those who uh, are um, those who aren't given the good news, aren't given the scriptures, and, and are trying to find their way to God and just cannot do it. So the Messiah is going to proclaim good news. So what's the good news? God is with you. You can ask for better news than that, that God is with you. God is with you. He's not against you. He's for you. He wants what's best for you. In fact, as we said last week, he, he came to this earth and spent time with us. So God is with us. And the Messiah will come, and what he will do is he will bring healing to the spiritual realm or the spiritual person. Because he will heal the results of sin. Now, this is a hard one. Because understand this. You sin, there will be a consequence there. You will pay a price. Alright? It it will happen. But there's also a spiritual price that is paid. And Jesus comes to pay that spiritual price for us. Now, sometimes... He heals the consequences of that. But many times, he does not. There are times that God will heal. I believe he does heal. There are times that he'll restore a relationship. There's times he will do all this stuff. But there's a lot of times he doesn't. And I believe one of the reasons why he doesn't is so that in some respects we have the scars so that we remember this is where we went and this is what we were doing. It's like when you take away the consequences from somebody, from your children, they're going to keep doing it. You're going to keep doing it. Okay. So he says 
this. He says, He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted. The word here is a Hebrew word, shabar, uh, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness those in prisoners. Or those in prison. So when he says the brokenhearted, the actual word means those who are shattered. The best thing I can I can describe of someone who's shattered is a windshield. Windshields are made in such a way, and they're made with what's called safety glass. And that safety glass is so that if you break it, you're not going to have uh, shards of glass up there. And if you have to climb through there, you're not going to get all scraped up. What the safety glass is, is you, you break it, and it becomes little pebbles. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. It becomes like little pebbles. So these little pebbles, it's shattered. Now try to put it back together. It, it isn't going to happen. There's so many of them out there. So I've been on accident scene with people with glass in their hair and all over their clothes because that safety glass is what, it, 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 it is, is what shatters. Now the front windshield is different. It has like a laminate of... Uh, on it so that when you does break it's not going to shatter all over you you take it off but the side windows is basically what I'm talking to it's pretty fun to break by the way but I'm not going to tell you how to do it because I don't want your kids going out there breaking your windows it's smart but it's kind of fun trust me I know how I can cause $10,000 in damage in about 30 seconds at Walmart parking lot and you know how to do it I won't tell you all the EMTs and firemen are going, uh-huh, uh-huh, I know exactly what you're talking about here. Okay, so we break the broken hearted. So it's talking about someone whose life has been shattered. Have you ever been there? Have we ever been there? <coughs> I think every one of us is going to have points in our lives where our lives are shattered. A relationship that's destroyed. Making a bad decision and you have the consequences thereof. Um, loss of a loved one. Getting that phone call. person that I, I promised to love and cherish has gone against me. I think we all have been there. And our lives have been shattered. And what, what Jesus, what the Messiah promises is to bind up the broken heart, to put those pieces back together. So the, the, the Messiah will heal the spiritual results of sin, and I also believe he can put some band-aids on and help us through the process of when we're dealing with shattered lives. It also says the Messiah will also avenge the persecutors of the people. So here we go to the next verse. It says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn. So, um, so we have uh, the... God knows what you're going through. God knows if you're being persecuted. God understands that. And I do believe that if someday God will avenge you. How do I know that? Look what the scriptures say. 
I mean, look at the book of Revelations where it says that you have these people who are under the altar of God. Those who've been martyred for the cause of God are under the altar of God. And what are they saying? How long, Lord, until you avenge us? So there is a vengeance that is coming. But he says, I will give comfort to those who are. So that's what the Messiah will do for us. He proclaims the good news. He will heal the spiritual realm. And he also, in some respects, he will avenge those who mock him. Okay, so then Isaiah 61 shares our response to the Messiah. So let's go to the next uh, few verses here. Okay. And provide for those who grieve and bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and oil of joy, uh, shasan is the word, instead of mourning. So the, the, the writer of, 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 of Isaiah is saying that for you, you are going to be giving an oil of joy. Now, in ancient time, oil was used for a lot of reasons. We use it for cooking primarily. But uh, they used it for cooking, they used it for uh, medicines, they used it for, um, but in the spiritual realm, they used oil as a sign of setting apart. So what he's saying is, is that those, uh, he counseled that we can have an oil of joy placed upon us, so that we can be set apart for joy. You got that? The happiest people on the face of the earth should be everyone on Sunday morning in the house of God. Amen. You got that? Because we know where we were headed, we know what the Messiah has done, and now we know where we are going. We should be filled with joy. That's one reason why I'm doing this God-siding thing. I want you to see what God is doing. And so for those, Jesus comes and gives us oil of joy instead of mourning. And that joy, let me, let me explain what joy is, this joy. Our candidate just won the election. That's the joy they're talking about. There he is. Yeah, we won! It's going to happen! And that's the joy. It's used in scriptures when Mordecai, if you read the book of Esther, when Mordecai was given a, a ride around the city because the king was honoring him, and all the Jews came out and go, Mordecai, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing when Solomon uh, was anointed king. Everybody goes, yeah, 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 he's going to do it. That's the joy they're talking about. Jesus is going to come, and guess what? Yeah, here he comes. Finally! And that's the joy that they're talking about. It's an oil of joy. And it means that we are separated for praise. And then it says that we will become oaks of righteousness. Did I do? Okay. Um, and the garment of praise, instead of the spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of I wanted to make sure I got it right. 
I put another O in there this morning, so it was Oaks of Righteousness. So we fixed it. Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. All right, my favorite tree is an oak. I love oaks. The trees that you can burn down, all of them are evergreens. In my opinion. Because when you're out in an evergreen in, in, uh, in the springtime and you're not wearing shoes, guess what's going to happen? Uh, an oak, all you got is acorns. You can watch the squirrels and everything. Mighty oak. And so he says, you're going to become oaks, strong, majestic, strong oak of righteousness. You're going to proclaim God's glory. And, and, and so you display God's splendor. Um, I was, I've been watching, I, I, I downloaded a couple videos, and we're not going to see them today. Eventually they're going to be worked into a sermon. One of them was uh, from, night, uh, from 2011. It was Miss Universe pageant, and they asked Miss Philippines a question. They said, if you had a choice between giving up God or giving up your boyfriend that you love... Which would you do? And I watched it and went, I want to watch this. I want to see how she responds. She says, God is the most important thing in my life. Either he changes or we will never get married. And I went, whoa. She didn't win. But she was very calm. Matter of fact, this is the way it is. That was an oak of righteousness. I, I, I've been uh, watching uh, Jennifer Darrow. She was the uh, judge of the uh, parade killing up in Wisconsin. They're now interviewing her. Do you know she's a born-again Christian? And they kept asking her, how can you remain so calm in the midst of this high-profile trial? She goes, I am a strong, born-again Christian. Every morning I wake up and I read my Bible and I pray. The only way I was able to get through this was with the power of Almighty God. That is an oak of righteousness. See, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, they, they, and you start displaying it. I, I really believe, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. I really believe that the days of the mass evangelism in the United States are now over. The evangelism is going to start by one-on-one, you meeting people, and they see Jesus in you, and they're going to say, what makes your life different? Why are you an oak of righteousness? And you display God's splendor. Okay. Then we learn of our work for God. So let's go into verse 4 now. They, who's they? We're talking to the Israelites here. But now you got this word, they. That means someone else is coming in. Who's they? You're they. Anyone who is not a Jew is a they. Anybody Jewish here? So you're a they. Right? They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities and that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields. And, and wine, and wine, vineyards. Okay, 
And so what's saying is there's going to be a new group of people that are going to come in and they're going to be doing the, the work. Who are these people? They're the Gentiles. Who is the Gentiles? Who is God's uh, people today that are Gentiles? The church. So we have an obligation to God. We are the foreigners that come in and are going to do the work. Okay? They are called to minister to others, restore and rebuild that which was ruined by sin and choices, and they will become a blessing around the world. Studies after studies after studies have shown that when Christians and the church goes into a neighborhood or a city, the benefits of it are astronomical. Crime goes down, marriages are saved, ministry happens. Bingo! All the time. Study after study shows that. That the church becomes a blessing to those around them. My first church is in a town of about 300 people, 88 homes, probably 80 now. A number of them are burning down. About half the size of Menden. There's one church left. And boy, I don't want to see that church leave. Go around, see the communities that churches have left. And see what they look like. Alverton, Ohio is right next to it. They got one church left. I'll pass it by a very good friend of mine. He's doing an excellent job. Then Isaiah 31 shares what's waiting for us because of the Messiah. Let's go to verse 7. Well, let's go farther. And you'll be called priests. That's an important thing. You are a priest. A priest is somebody who represents God to other people. So you will be a priest. The Bible says that in... Uh, um, uh, 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 I'm away from my notes. The Bible says that in 1 Peter chapter 2 that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You are God's priest to this community. You are God's priest to where you work. You are God's priest to your family. You are God's priest. You are representing them, God to them. Okay? And you will be named ministers of our God, and you will feed the wealth of the nations, and their witches will boast. So, and this is talking to Israel as well, and I do believe the church. The church blesses those that are there, and I also see that even Israel blesses. And so I, I do believe it's important that we... Bless Israel because he also blesses. God blesses his chosen people. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of your disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. So the writer of Isaiah is saying, yeah, there's a past. Yeah, your life's been shattered. Yeah, there are things there. But guess what? Instead of your shame, you'll get a double portion. Instead of focusing on your, your disgrace, Guess what? You have an inheritance. That's why I say, and I've said this for six years I've been here, I don't care what's happened in your past, I care what you're doing now. Because the past is the past, there's nothing you can do about it. We go forward. Yeah, there's going to be scars, and that's where I do want to know your past so we can help you with the scars, but go forward. Go forward. I am a sinner saved by grace 
What I have to look forward to is not an empty grave. What I have to look forward to is standing in the presence of Almighty God while I will praise Him and I will serve Him forever and ever. It's not going to be boring. It's going to be exciting because I'm the type of person that likes to explore. Can you imagine all the exploration there's going to be when you're in heaven? You have been called. You have been redeemed You have a new life. You have a new focus, a new choice. You are new. The old is gone and the new has come. So why do you rejoice? It's because I am no longer Darwin of, you know, 1964. I am now Darwin of 1971 who gave his life to Jesus. I am different. I am new and I rejoice. And you should too. Only knew. Wait a minute. What do you mean if I only knew? Only, only knew. Really? The very first person who went to heaven after the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ was a thief. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Well. And you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Everlasting joy will be yours. So that baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Joy came upon her because the Holy Spirit came upon her because something new was coming. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's about peace. It's about love. It's about joy. It's about hope. Today is joy. The Christ child is coming. And this is all the great things that are about to happen because of that Christ child. So we rejoice in Him. Mary, from you will come a Messiah. From you, the brokenhearted will be restored. And from you, a new race will come. It will be the church. Repairing shattered lives. And bringing those who feel like they are not worthy of anything, giving them life. I think of the Samaritan woman, the first one that Jesus proclaimed, where he said, I am he, I am the Messiah too. Wrong race, they married five times, and the guy she was now with wasn't even her husband. And guess what? Jesus says, I am here. I am this And Father, we honor you for your love and kindness upon us all. And help us to have joy, pure joy. Help us to have that. So that we can be oaks of righteousness to share the good news with others. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, God bless you. We're changing things just a little bit uh, right now, but we're going to close right now. But I want to let you know that the elders will be up here to pray uh, for anyone who would like to have prayer at this time. So God bless you all, and uh, see you tonight around 5, 530 at Menden. God bless you, and have a great week.